Hello and welcome back to another episode of the DFS Today podcast and The Advantage. I am your host, Michael Fiddle. Today is Wednesday, November 30th, and today's episode is a lot to get through. It is just me, myself, and I today. We are doing a gambling lesson on round-robin betting, a Week 12 review, Week 13 best bets, line movement, and gambling trends, and then a full DFS slate breakdown, spend up, value options. Again, it is just me today. I am without our Thursday guest, Willie. So I figured I would just do this all in one and get it done for you all. I will be back on Saturday with a core four episode per usual. Before we get started, make sure you are following me on Twitter at mfiddle 14 and please rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. That would be great. If you are listening to this on Apple Podcasts, I would love some written reviews on both the DFS Today feed and the Advantage. So go into the Apple Podcast, write a review, tell them that Mike's crushing it and winning you money, and that will help me as I help you guys. Uh, let's start with a Week 12 in review, I went 9-3 and three in my bets. It was a great week in general. Uh, crushed it in betting. 9-3, and three, like I said. I was only plus 2.8 units for two reasons. One, a lot of them were money line bets. Like I was on the Eagles, minus 295 money line. I was on the Cowboys, minus 450 money line. I was on the Bills, minus 400 money line. So I bet one unit to just bring home less return. So that's why... You know, I have a good record, but not that much winnings. Of course, I'll take any winnings. Two and two point eight units of winnings is like three plus percent ROI. It's fantastic in a given weekend, so I love it. Uh, but nine and three, you would normally expect to see like plus five units ish, five point seven to be exact with standard odds. Mine was two point eight because I was not playing with standard odds. I was playing with big favorites, and they happened to cash for me. I was on the Jacksonville Jaguars money line, however, so that was a nice little uh, plus. I was on the Steelers and the Jaguars, two underdogs that won this week. It was a very good week. In DFS, you guys know we absolutely crushed it on Thanksgiving. We won two out of three slates, and we won again on Sunday. So three out of the four slates that I played this week, no, it was four out of the five. Four out of the five slates, because we played four slates on Thursday. We played one in each game and a full slate uh, of the three games. And then on Sunday, we played one. So we won on Sunday. We won three out of four on Thursday, cashing in four out of five DFS slates on the weekend. I think this week, I'm only going to be playing the main slate for Sunday. I don't think I'm going to be doing any showdown stuff. If I do, I will tweet out the full lineups. Um... Brings us to like nearly plus 1,400 in DFS on the season. So we're like up nearly 20 units in gambling. Our futures look fantastic. We're crushing it in DFS. This has been been really, really nice. Been treating us really uh, advantageous on the advantage, as I like to say. All right. That was my week 12 summary. I want to quickly explain round robin betting for you guys. I tweeted out a bunch of week 13 lines that I was jumping on. I will talk about those week 13 lines and the gambling trends around them in a few minutes. But I tweeted out a bunch of lines. And then I said, hey, I'm also parlaying these five 
And I'm also putting them in a round robin, a series of four leg parlays, five different four leg parlays with those same five legs I was using in the five leg parlay. And I got a response on Twitter from our guy, Briz the Shiz. How you doing, Briz? Thanks for listening. He's a regular. And he said, can you explain the round robin feature on the next podcast? So absolutely, Briz. Happy to do so. Thank you for the question. I appreciate it. I, you know, help me help you. I love getting asked these questions. So keep them coming. If you see something else like this come up, ask away again, and I'll hit it in the next pod, just like this. So general concept of a round robin. Just if you've never heard, oh, I gamble, but I don't know what a round robin is. First off, a round robin is when you have a series of bets that you are playing in a parlay form but you split them up into a series of smaller parlays where essentially everything is mixed and matched. So you have combinations of everything. The very basic idea is that you have a three-team parlay. Say you have a money line parlay on teams one, two, and three. The round robin feature would also give you three different two-leg parlays. You would pair teams one and two, one and three, and two and three into smaller parlays. The reason to bet in a round robin is that you can still be profitable if all but one of your legs of the parlay hits. If you do the math out, and I will, I'll actually do the math out for you guys right now. Obviously, it's a lot harder to explain and visualize in podcast form. I don't have a whiteboard to show you guys like I'm Dan Besbris, the math tutor, but stick with me. I will do my best. With standard odds, A two-leg parlay has a multiplier payout of 2.6x. You bet $100, you win $260. So let's say three legs with standard minus 110 odds, and you have three separate two-leg parlays at $100 per in a round robin, and you hit two of three of the total legs. Let's say you win legs one and two, but team three loses, so you lose leg three. In the series of round robins bets, you would win the first one, the parlay of legs one and two. You would return your 100. You would profit 260. And then your parlays where you have a parlay of legs one and three and two and three, they would both lose since leg three lost. And that would be minus 200. Ultimately, because you've won two out of the three of the parlay legs, you would find yourself with plus $60. So the basic premise of round-robin betting is to come out still profitable if you win all but one leg of the parlay. And you still have access to the huge multiplier if you do win all three legs and you sweep the board. You get a 2.6x in every single one. It's kind of a hedge on a parlay situation. Whereas if you were to just bet those three lines, minus 110 to win 100, and you won two out of the three, you would net $80. So you'd be better off betting them straight up and winning two out of the three as opposed to doing it in a round robin form and winning two of the three. But the reason to do it in a round robin is if you feel super confident and you want access to that potential multiplier and payout of winning all of them. Because let's do this math again. If you bet with standard and you just do the minus 110 to win 100 and you win all three, 
you're winning $300. But if you hit all three in the round robin, you're winning 260 plus 260 plus 260. It's a much different story. Now you have access to 520 plus 260, $780. So that multiplier gives you like a $500 boost, 480. This is not something I normally do. The gambling math in the long run would tell you it's unrealistic to consistently hit three out of three and that you'd rather take your two out of three and take your bigger winnings when you win two of the three. Because when you win two of the three, you win 80 betting straight up, you win 60 in a round robin. So professional gamblers who do this higher stakes, high volume bets very consistently would rather just bet it separately. So again, the basic premise of round robin betting is to still come out profitable if you win all but one leg of the parlay while having access to a huge boost and big time multiplier. Now, here are the personal ways and personal rules I use to play round robins. And I would recommend these to you guys because like everything else, I've studied the math from a plus EV plus expected value perspective. This is how I do it. I will always do the round robin option one level below the amount of legs of the parlays that I bet. So for this week in week 13, I am going to explain that I put in a crazy five leg parlay. I don't normally do this, but in this one situation that I've done all year, this is actually my, I think my second parlay in 150 bets I've made this season. So it is a very rare occurrence for me. Then I'm also going to be doing a series of four leg parlays in the round robin, not four leg, three legs, and two leg combos. I'm just going to do the option one level below what I bet. So I'm doing a five leg parlay. I'm going to round robin four leg parlay them. I am not going to do a three leg round robin and a two leg round robin because if you do the math out, if you lose two legs, you're still losing money down the chain. And if you lose one leg, you're still winning money down the chain, but you're winning less money because less of a multiplier. So to use the right calculations and bankroll exposure, you play a parlay and you go minus one leg in a round robin. That is how this applies. And this only applies to parlays five legs or less because you will never, ever, ever, ever catch me doing a six leg or more parlay. That is just stupidity. Now my five is pretty arbitrary. I think a five leg parlay is pretty stupid too. But even just the more you add on, the stupider it gets. It's exponential at that point. So that is how you play parlays. You do a minus one on your three or four leg or five leg. So if you're doing a three log par- three leg parlay, you minus one and have two leg round robins. If you're doing a four-leg parlay, you minus one and do three-leg round robins. If you're doing a five-leg parlay, you minus one and do four-leg round robins. Pretty straightforward. The reason to do this is if you win all but one leg, you will still be profitable. 
All right, let's move on. I hope that was a good discussion of round-robin betting. Again, Briz, thank you for the question. And if anyone else has a question about gambling theory, gambling logic, gambling concepts, just reach out to me on Twitter, and I will make sure to hit it in a future podcast. Um, let's review Week 13 lines. Let's start with the Patriots taking on the Buffalo Bills in New England. This is the Thursday night game this week. Both of these teams played on Thanksgiving Thursday, so neither of them have like a short week or mini-buy situation. Be aware that week 14, both of these teams will have a rest advantage, um, so I will like that angle, but no rest advantage angle to play into for this game. We're seeing sharp money come in on the Patriots. As we've seen all season, sharp money consistently comes on the home team in the Thursday night game. We're seeing that again here. The Bills open at a five and a half point favorite. It's now down to four. So clear sharp money on the Patriots. The total also opened at 45. It's down to 43 and a half. I jumped in on the under at 45. I tweeted out that that was an important one to take early because 44 is a key number. And of course, now at 43 and a half, it crossed that key number. So I still like the under, but again, it's lost a lot of value considering where the line has moved to. Jets versus Vikings. Uh, surprisingly, Jets plus three is the bet that I'm on. Vikings continue to remain fraudulent in my mind. Uh, I think... The Mike White Jets offense is reinvigorated, giving them a lot of love. I think their defense is totally stout. Uh, I think Sauce Gardner has one of his toughest tests of the year in Justin Jefferson, but he should be up for the challenge. He has not allowed a touchdown against him all season. So love the Jets defense. Love what the Jets are doing now on offense. Love getting plus three against a fraudulent Vikings team. That is the side that I'm on. That is the side that the Sharps are on, clearly, too. Um Broncos Ravens this line opened at seven and a half and it's now eight and a half so there's clear uh, Ravens money coming in but the total opened at 39 and it's now down to 38 and a half so I jumped in on the under 39 I still think it's worth taking the under 38 and a half because 39 is not an important number 38 is so if you still get the, if it hits the 38 and you have a 38 and a half ticket you're still winning and cashing on your under so I like that but Something I always point out is when there's a large spread but a low total, there's correlated values between the underdog and the under and the over and the favorite. So in this situation, I'm on the under, and because of that, there's inherent value on the Broncos plus 8.5. If this game only scores 38 or less points like I'm expecting it to, it is very hard for the Ravens to win by 9 or more. I am not on the Broncos yet. I don't know if I will be. I don't know if I could possibly trust this Denver Broncos team at all. But there is uh, that correlated value angle that you could jump in if you wanted to. Steelers-Falcons, minus 1.5. This line has stayed where it's been the whole time. There's been a little bit of movement towards the over going from 42 to 42 and a half. Um, we know 41 and 44 are the key numbers. So 42 to 42 and a half, not the Biggest, most important jump. Um, Pittsburgh's offense has been rolling and playing better ever since Kenny Pickett has faced less stiff competition. He's performed a lot better. So um, I, I see the reason for the over. I have no plays and no leans on this game. Um, Tennessee Titans are at the Philadelphia Eagles. This line opened at Tennessee plus six and a half. That's where I jumped in on it. It's now down to plus five and a half. The Eagles have not been pulling away from teams, and we know, you know, 
Tennessee plays games close. They're going to be very well coached. They're going to come ready to play. And getting that six and a half, I really liked the line. So now we're at plus five and a half with minus 115 juice. So would not be surprised to see this move to a plus five. The over-under is at 44 and a half. It has stayed right there the whole time. I have no plays on the total. Very sharp line at 44 and a half. The Jags versus Lions. We're playing in Detroit. The Jaguars are terrible on the road. The Lions opened at a minus one and a half favorites, and now the Jaguars are minus one and a half favorites. So massive money coming in on the Jaguars for a team that really struggles on the road, going against a team like the Lions that actually performs really well on the road. So very surprised to see the fact that we're seeing 69% of the bets are on Detroit, but 67% of the money is on Jacksonville. So clearly some Jacksonville stuff coming in the market. I'm on the over 51 and a half. The line hasn't moved. Um, We know 51 and 52 are key total numbers. We know Detroit at home generally gets into shootouts. Uh, Jacksonville's running backs are banged up, and they traded James Robinson, so they've been opening up the offense and passing a lot more. So I like this game to shoot over the expected total and be a shootout, be something we play into for budget DFS players, which we'll talk about in a few minutes. Uh, Very surprised on this line swinging so heavily towards Jacksonville. Of course, one and a half to one and a half the other way doesn't cross any key numbers. Crossing through the zero is not a key number. We haven't gotten to a two or three yet. Um, Interesting. I have no plays, but definitely very interesting to see such strong Jacksonville Jaguars sentiment coming in. As you guys know, I was on the Jacksonville Jaguars money line against the Ravens last week and cashed that. That was a great ticket to be on. So I was ahead of the market in saying that Jacksonville Jaguars were going to show up last week. This week, not too sure. Commanders versus Giants. Commanders are at the New York Giants. This line opened at a one and a half. It is now two and a half. So Commanders are the favorites, even though they have a worse record and they're the away team in New York. Generally, a fishy line that we would consider and say play right into the commander's angle. I am going to do that, but I don't actually think this is a fishy line. I jumped on the commanders at minus one and a half for this reason alone. Commander's rush defense is absolutely elite, and the Giants' only form of offense is establish the ground game and have that open up some form of passing game or big shot play here and there, and you know, getting lucky and pulling out a one score game. So I'm on the Commanders minus one and a half. I would still take it at minus two and a half. I wouldn't be surprised to see this go to minus three. I think this is a spot where the books are taking a position against the public, and you clearly want to be on the Commander side if you're going to be on a side. Uh, There's also money coming in on the under. I don't have any plays here. Uh, I think this total opened at 42. It's now at 40 and a half. Uh, So clear money towards the under. I don't have a play on the total. Packers versus Bears. There is Packers money coming into the market primarily because Aaron Rodgers says he's going to play. Now, we don't know if Justin Fields is going to play. I would just stay away from this game entirely. Uh, 43.5 for a total, super sharp. Again, 44 is the key number. You don't know if it's going to be a sloppy Packers game like we've seen all season or a shootout Bears game like we've seen all season. So really hard to know. A lot of this game is based on health factors. It's still early in the week. I would avoid betting this game right now. Houston Texans 
take on the Cleveland Browns. The Browns are the clear bet. I am not going to be backing Deshaun Watson in his return to Houston in this game. I think there's going to be a lot of emotions there. You guys know I am only loyal to my bankroll, and that is my primary primary concern when I bet. So the whole Watson uh, drama, the whole him returning to Houston, it's not as big of a factor, but I'm factoring in the emotional standpoint that Houston's not going to want to you know, lose this game like they have. But again, on the other side, Browns are the clear bet. The Houston Texans have looked so, so bad recently. The Browns still have something to play for. They're getting a star quarterback back. They have really good skill position players. So the Browns are the right side to be on, except I just won't be on it. I think there's like that same emotional hedge that I bet into for the Seahawks week one when they played a home against Russell Wilson returning, and they were plus six and a half, and I was on Seahawks plus six and a half and Seahawks money line. That's kind of how I feel about wanting to back the Texans again, just the emotional hedge. But this team is so bad, I can't justify myself to actually bet on the Texans. The Browns seem to be the right side, but don't really want to do it. Um, Seahawks at Rams. Wow. Seahawks are up to a minus seven and a half. That open at four and a half. That just, there screams inherent value for me to take the Rams plus seven and a half at home. I need to check to see who on the Rams defense is playing. If Aaron Donald and Bobby Wagner and Jalen Ramsey are still active, like this team's going to play for pride. Uh, it's still a division game. McVay still knows Pete Carroll's offense very well. Um, the Rams themselves just have no offense, but they do have a good defense. They stayed in it with the Chiefs. The Chiefs were begging them to cover last week. They couldn't do it. I think this week is the week that the Rams could potentially cover. I like the Rams plus seven and a half. There's clearly, clearly major action on the Seahawks, but that might be because of injuries or it might be because of the lineups that we're expecting. I'm going to do more digging. That is too much movement to be overlooked and to just think is sharp action. That's, there's something else going on. Miami Dolphins versus San Francisco 49ers. I'm on Miami plus forwards now at a plus three and a half. We're seeing some Miami money enter the market. We're also seeing the total go sharp towards the under. I'm on the under 47. It's at 46 and a half now. Um, my only concern with backing the Dolphins and the only thing that has popped up new for me since I bet this game is that the left tackle for the Dolphins is out Armstead and that's a huge piece obviously two is a lefty so that makes the right tackle actually his blind side something to be very cognizant of when teams say the left tackle is the most important position that's normally because you have a righty quarterback and the left side's the blind side for Tua, he's a lefty the right tackle is his blind side so that's actually the most important position on his offensive line so losing a left tackle not as detrimental as, say, Brady or Rodgers or one of those guys losing their left tackle. Um, still concerns me, though. If there is a team that is going to beat the 49ers and know how to exploit them, it is the guy who used to work for them. Uh, it is the running backs who used to play for them. And it is a team with so much speed going against a lot of veteran brains on defense. So I like the speed of the Dolphins. Again, I also like the under. I like, I like the Dolphins plus four. Slightly concerned about the health factor. If this game goes the other way, I think it's because, you know, the 49ers were able to bring a lot of blitz pressure. But ultimately, I do like the Dolphins and the under here. And those are two bets that I'm going to stay on and currently have plus CLV on those tickets. Chargers are going to the Raiders. Um, some Raiders money coming back in on the market. The Chargers opened at a minus two and a half. It is now back to minus one and a half. 
The Raiders coming off a big overtime win against the Seahawks. Derek Carr, one of the toughest quarterbacks in the league, got absolutely rocked. Looked like he was going to be out for multiple weeks, and he ended up missing one play. So shout out, Derek Carr. You're actually tough as nails. Um, I expect this game to be a shootout. It is 50 and a half in the total. That's where it opened to. Um, I don't have any bets here. I don't really have any leans. I would love to play into this for DFS. So we'll be looking at uh, Keenan Allen again. We'll be looking at a Josh Jacobs type play. We could even look at, I probably won't look at Josh Jacobs because of the injuries, but Foster Moreau. There's definitely a lot of DFS angles to play. Mac Hollins for the Raiders. So definitely some DFS angles that we might play into for a game that has a total of 50 and a half. And two teams that throw at good volumes. Um, Chiefs versus Bengals. This is a grudge match. Bengals opened at plus three. It is now Bengals plus two and a half. So Bengals money coming in. They are the home team going against the Kansas City Chiefs. It is very tempting to take Patrick Mahomes anytime the line is minus two and a half. They do have a better cover rate on the road, the Chiefs. And they are playing on the road this week. It is expected to be a shootout with a 52 and a half total. Uh, definitely something to play into for DFS in terms of the receivers, in terms of the quarterbacks here. The Bengals beat the Chiefs twice last season, so super revenge spot for the Chiefs. But again, Bengals have shown that they can do it. They've done it the last two times, so I don't have any bets on this game. Uh, I know people with models project this to be a pick so even still getting two and a half points for the Bengals proves to be some inherent value. But again, going against Mahomes... Less than three points, and I do think the Chiefs are probably still the better team here. Scary proposition. No bets for me. Colts-Cowboys. This line opened at 43.5 in the total. It stayed right there. It opened at 9.5 in the point spread. It's up to 10.5 for the Colts. Colts are plus 10.5. Cowboys are at home as the favorite. Uh, Cowboys are seem to be the right side to bet on, but again, I'm on the under for this game, so that means there's inherent value under 43.5. That means... There's got to be some value on the Colts plus 10.5. If this game has 42 or less points scored in it, it will be hard for the Cowboys to win by 11 or more. So something to consider. If you are betting the under, consider also throwing some money on the Colts uh, plus 10.5. You could even parlay those. So you could do like one unit on under 43.5 and then a parlay of 43.5 and then plus 10.5 for half a unit and get that, you know, plus... 260 payout that you would probably get on doing something like that. It would be plus 224 on FanDuel. Saints versus Bucks is opened at Saints plus six. I jumped on that immediately. Bucks are can't beat any team by six reliably right now. Um, let alone the Saints who always play them well, who play in Louisiana, who have a similar climate to Tampa Bay. It's a short flight, it's an easy trip. And the Saints get up for this game. They like taking on Tom Brady. They're known around the NFL as the Brady stoppers, and they need to live up to the hype. And they're coming off another game where they played piss poor. So I like the Saints. I think they got clear value. The line moved to three and a half. So clear, sharp money coming in on the Saints. I actually think there's still value on the Saints. I think the Saints might win this game. I think I might even consider playing the Saints from a money line perspective. If you've listened to this podcast, you guys know I've been backing the Saints quite a bit last few weeks in the futures market as well. It hasn't totally panned out for me. This team hasn't been as good as I expected them to be. 
The preseason priors had them to be a very competitive team. I haven't been able to get quite off of it yet, and I'm still not this week. Saints plus six is another bet that I'm on. So that is the full week 13 gambling breakdown. Let's move over and start talking about DFS. All right. We will start, as always, with the quarterback position. Again, this is a full slate breakdown, so we are not going to be doing spent ups and then value options. I'm not going to be making an arbitrary cutoff at the $7,000 mark. I'm simply going to be talking about every position through the slate, picking out the names that you know scream inherent value to me, and I will point those out to you guys. So Patrick Mahomes, probably going to be my play this week. Uh, he is the favorite in that game that is sharp, that is a total of 52.5 points, highest total on the board. He is just incredible. So love me some Patrick Mahomes. Love the revenge spot that he's playing into. Love the fact that they haven't been running the ball at all. I think even Patty himself might be the leading rusher for this team. Obviously, Pacheco is in real life, but I'm speaking hyperbolically. Uh, McKinnon gets a ton of snaps. They've started involving a little bit of Ronald Jones the third. Uh, they don't have a good run game. They clearly don't fully trust Pacheco either. He's still a seventh-round rookie. In a game that should be a ton of scoring, in a game where they should be heavily reliant on Mahomes' arms, I really like him. Uh, Hurts going against Tennessee. Don't love it. I think Tennessee will have a great game plan to keep him off the field, which will include Derrick Henry having 27 carries and running the clock. Um, Denver versus Baltimore. And Lamar Jackson out on Lamar simply because this Denver team just plays you in the mud. And it's this Baltimore offense has not shown to be ignited. So I don't like playing, paying and playing Lamar Jackson. Uh, Justin Fields, not going to be playing him because we don't know about the injury, the shoulder. It's still the non-throwing shoulder, but he could still take a huge hit. Um, a lot of rushing upside with Fields, but that's really what you're banking on if his arm is hurting. Justin Herbert, definitely like Herbert in the spot. The Raiders' defense is so bad against the past. Herbert's getting his weapons back, 7,200. If you're not playing Mahomes, I think you're playing Herbert or Joe Burrow, who's the next person I talk about, 6,900, going against the Chiefs in the other side of that shootout. But the Mahomes-Burrow have a total of 52.5. Herbert has a total of 50.5. So those would be the three names that I would really look at for this week. If I'm going budget. Uh, you could certainly look at Trevor Lawrence playing in Detroit. I think that will be a heavy optimizer play. Um, you could look at Derek Carr going against the Chargers, also in that sh potential shootout game. So those would be the two spots that I look at if I'm going for value, Trevor Lawrence and Derek Carr, or I would spend up, which I probably will on Patrick Mahomes, Herbert, or Joe Burrow. Let's move on to running back. Um, not going to be playing McCaffrey. The injury question mark is definitely a problem. Eckler's can certainly be played in a game that should be a shootout. Saquon, no, because the commanders, like I said, are so stout against the run. Derrick Henry, Nick Chubb, certainly options. They're going to get handed the ball plenty, plenty, plenty. Um, I'm looking, and I'm going to skip a bunch of these names, and I'm going to drop down to Kenneth Walker. Uh, I think his volume is still elite. Uh, he's going against the Rams. We know that game should be featuring a lot of running for the Seahawks. 
Uh, the optimizers are giving out Kenneth Walker the third right now. They're giving out Ramondre Stevenson. Uh, so those would be the two names that I would look at for those mid-tier. If ETN is hurt, we got to look at Hasty. Uh, we have to look at Montgomery since Khalil Herbert is still out. If Najee Harris is out, we need to look at Benny Snell. So I will come back on the Saturday episode and discuss a lot of value option running backs because that's clearly something we have this week. If Mixon is still out because he's still in concussion protocol, Pirine will make another great play in that game. Will Pacheco be a good value option in this game that should have, you know, uh, 52 and a half points? Or should we be looking directly at a, um, what's his name? McKinnon, because he's full PPR and a lot of passing work upside in this potential shootout game. Uh, Latavius Murray is getting full work for the Broncos and he's still going against the Baltimore team, which is just overrated at this point, And he should get the full work. Um, Antonio Gibson getting great PPR work. Kyron Williams getting great PPR work going against the Seahawks. I think that is a place where you could potentially play into. Again, I said hasty if ETN is out. There's a lot of spots. Benny Snell, Zonovan Knight for the Jets. Um, I don't love the spend up options at running back this week aside from Eckler. And I really like some of the value options. So let's wait a little bit later this week. We'll come back on Saturday. I will give out both of my running backs that I'm playing on Saturday because a lot of it is going to be injury-based news that we haven't gotten yet. Thursday is the big day to really get a grasp on who's really playing and practicing on the back half of the week and getting ready for the Sunday slate. For wide receivers, let's start at the top. Justin Jefferson will not be a name that I'm playing because he's going against Sauce Gardner, who is not allowed a touchdown. Tyreek, I don't love the matchup. Devontae is certainly in a spot that we could play. If that game against the Chargers is going to be a shootout uh, and Renfro and Waller are still on IR, which they will be, Devontae Adams certainly could be a spend-up option. Cooper Cup on IR still. Chase coming back from the injury. Not the best place to play Chase right off the bat. Uh, Amon Ross St. Brown is the first name that really jumps out at me. 7,100 in that game, home against Jacksonville, which should be a shootout. Really like Amon Ra. Can definitely uh, see myself playing multiple Lions receivers or even a bring back with a Zay Jones, Christian Kirk. Um, really like that game from a budget player, skill position player perspective. I just talked about Hasty in the running back section. Um Let's keep going down the list. Keenan Allen definitely can be played full PPR guy. 6,500 going against the Raiders. I love the Keenan Allen spot. I think that is definitely playable this week. Amari Cooper, I would say off of, even though he's been so great. We don't know how he's going to fare with Watson. Going against Houston uh, is an easy matchup, even though their opponent ranked six against the pass, it's because most teams don't even have to pass against them. It's not because they have daunting talent and corners that are actually going to stop Amari Cooper. So I'm not scared of the matchup. I am just don't love the potential rapport with the quarterback. I want to see and make sure that he's the clear number one still. Christian Kirk, like I said, definitely an option. Um, scrolling down, I mean, if Mike Williams is playing, he's just significantly underpriced. 5,900. He's going to be coming off an injury, but that is way too cheap. That's not like paying $7,900 for Jamar Chase coming off an injury. 5,900 for a player in a game with 51 total points projected on the team that is the favorite. I like Mike Williams a lot. 
um, that will definitely be a place that I'm looking. If Mike Williams is out, going right back to Josh Palmer makes a lot of sense. I know DeAndre Carter seemed to get the work last week, but I don't think that will necessarily continue. Uh, Christian Watson has to be someone that we consider 5,200 with Rodgers playing, going against the Chicago Bears. We know Rodgers owns the Bears, and we know Rodgers is really loving Christian Watson and what he's doing recently. So Christian Watson's cheaper than Lazard. I think that's a no-brainer if you're going to play a Packers receiver. You'd rather Watson. Um, Zay Jones, definitely an option. Van Jefferson, definitely an option. I mean, he called the touchdown last week. He is the clear number one now that Cup and Allen Robinson are both out. I still expect Stafford to be out in this game. That means it's going to be another Bryce Perkins type of start. Van Jefferson is a place where he looks often, so you could certainly do that. Traylon Burks and Mac Hollins are both priced at 4600 and I think they're both playable. I actually lean more towards Mac Hollins. Traylon Burks getting so much love in the fantasy season-long community right now, but against Philly this week, he's going to have a tough sled. Uh, Mac Hollins going in this Chargers-Raiders game. I think this is a potential super stack game. So I like Mac Hollins. I like potentially playing Mac Hollins, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Foster Moreau, Justin Herbert. Play them all. Throw it in a GPP. Hope for a 60-point game outing. I think the Raiders Raiders had 74 points in their last game total. They won 40-34. to 34. So if we're going to get something like that again and you super stack this team in a GPP, that could really, really, really work out for you. Let's move on to tight end. Uh, I love Travis Kelsey. I love him this week. Big game for him. You know he's going to show up. If if I'm not spending up at running back, if I'm not spending up at wide receiver, spending up at for Kelsey certainly makes sense this week. Andrews, no, not going to play anyone playing in this Denver game because they literally drag people through the mud with them. Hawkinson's been getting so much work for this Minnesota team, so he's definitely an option at 5200 If he has like another 9-10 reception game, he's certainly worth it. He's priced more than George Kittle, and he should be. Um, don't know if I'm going to play into that because of the low total and the sharp money on the Jets. Um, let's see. I like Dalton Schultz. I like Evan Ingram. I like... Njoku, I think Njoku's cheap enough that you could play him in that Browns-Houston uh, game. Fryermuth has been on fire recently. Hayden Hurst is a guy who I normally play a lot of. So uh, those are the names that I'm looking for at tight end. And defense, right now, really just looking at the Broncos. I mean, the they are one of the cheapest defenses. They're playing against Lamar and the Ravens, who, you know, everyone loves Lamar and the Ravens. I think they're overrated. I think the Broncos team brings people down to their level. I just said I'm not going to be playing any Broncos. That's for skill position players. That's for people playing in this game. I'll happily play a defense because I'm expecting a sloppy game with low scoring. So defense-wise, I'm looking directly at you, Denver Broncos. And that wraps up the full slate breakdown for Week 13 DFS. I will be back on Saturday with a Core 4. I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode, which featured a Week 12 recap, a gambling tutorial on round robins, a best bets for Week 13. Let me make sure I give all of those out right now before we wrap up. And the DFS plays. Here are my bets. I know I gave them out as I was going through it, but here are actually all of my bets in line with everything. I'll explain the um, the legs that I have in the parlay and then how they're put into a round robin as well. So 
I am on Titans plus six and a half on DraftKings. Dolphins plus four on DraftKings. Commanders minus one and a half on FanDuel. Saints plus six on DraftKings. Jets plus three on FanDuel. Patriots, Bills under 45 on DraftKings. Ravens, Broncos under 39 on Caesars. Lions, Jaguars over 51 and a half on DraftKings. Finns, Niners under 47 on DraftKings. And Colts versus Cowboys under 43 and a half on DraftKings. I put in a small parlay with the Colts against the spread and the under. So I got it when it was nine and a half. It is now 10 and a half. So even more recommend doing this. I have half a unit sprinkled on a parlay. Uh, Colts plus what would be 10 and a half under 43 and a half for that plus 230 I gave out earlier. And then these are the five lines that I jumped on and I'm parlaying them all. It's that Colts Cowboys under 43 and a half, Saints plus six, Dolphins plus four, Dolphins 49ers under 47, and the Titans plus six and a half. So I parlayed all five of those together for half unit, and then I did the minus one, and I did a four-leg round robin, which included five different parlays of four-leg round robins, 0.2 units each. They all have a multiplier of 11x, so 11 to 1 bets on 0.2 units. So if I win any of them, if I win four out of five, I will find myself profitable in this endeavor. If I win five out of five, I will net 25 units of profit by doing this. So again, access to a huge multiplier, low exposure on the parlays. I knew I was going to beat these lines, and that's the reason why I did it. The only line that remains the same is that Colts Cowboys under 43 and a half, and I expect to get some movement towards me this week. Uh, Saints plus six is now three and a half. Dolphins plus four is now at three and a half. Dolphins Niners under 47 is now at 46 and a half. And Titans plus six and a half is now at plus five and a half. And I would not be surprised to see that go to plus five soon. So I am crushing this in terms of CLV closing line value. Again, do I expect to win the parlay? No. But if I can win four to five legs because I got ahead of the market, I will find myself very profitable and access to the huge multiplier. That is the reason why I did it. It is actually my third parlay I've given out in 158 total bets this year. So I do this less than 2% of the time. So let's not get overly wrapped up in it, but let's still explain why I'm doing it and the gambling theory logic and the math behind it all. Today was a long episode. Thank you if you're still listening and you're still here. I will talk to you Saturday. And as always, peace out.